Welcome, weary travelers, to TV on the Hillside. My name is Mo Hill, and with me as always, wondering how Ozzy did it, it's Nate Burnside. Well, the real key is that you're not supposed to be trying to use your thighs to go up the tree. You're supposed to put the bottoms of your feet on the sides of the tree. And he was using his thighs instead of the bottoms of his feet. So you weren't wondering how Ozzy did it? No, I I know how to theoretically, not that I'm particularly proficient at climbing palm trees, but I'm very familiar with the technique involved. Of course you are. Why wouldn't you be? Bruh. All right. On today's... I mean, I've watched Survivor before, and I'm (laughs) aware of how, like, monkeys do it and stuff. It's not, like, it's the most difficult thing, especially if your ties size. Well, it's definitely not like it's the least difficult thing. No, it's not the least difficult thing either, but... His his form was all wrong. That was his main problem. Because he seemed like he would be doing it rather easily if he knew what the right thing to do was. But he didn't seem to know the right way to do it. Well, okay, well, we'll get back into that. But uh, today's podcast, we're going to be discussing this week's Survivor, Kindergarten Camp. But first, Nate, why don't you tell us some info? Sure, like I said last time, our schedule is going to be a little up in the air in the coming weeks, but you can keep track of all of our podcasts and blog posts on our website at tvonthehillside.wordpress.com. If you can't remember the URL, you can find your way there from our Facebook or Twitter pages. I imagine you're listening to this podcast to pass the time while you strike a flint on a beach for five straight hours. And if you're that committed to making fire, you should be just as committed to this podcast. So go subscribe to the podcast, rate it five stars, and leave a comment. And by doing that, you'll be helping us out Almost as much as Jenny helped out Alicia last night. Almost. (laughs) She did help out Alicia quite a bit. That was a little ridiculous, and we'll get to that. But first, I want to start with the top of the episode. Yeah, we started out with Braun Tribe uh, coming back after they just voted out Darnell, and Alicia barely made it out of there alive. And Scott asked Alicia like something to the effect of, like, oh, do you trust us now? Do you trust us yet? Or something like that. And Alicia basically said, like, oh, man, like, I almost did, like, she didn't even say, like, I almost got voted out. She said, like, oh, these people, like, helped me or whatever, as if they didn't swing two votes towards her. So my question is, I don't even know, did they split the vote knowing they were going to vote out Darnell the entire time? Or did they, were they just not in agreement going into tribal last week? And why is Alicia so willing like, it, it, I think she's just really bad at this game. So I do want to talk, I want to really just ask you that. How bad is Alicia at this game? And did they plan to split the vote last time? And in case there was a tie and nobody played an idol, they would vote out Darnell. Okay, so a couple things. Uh, first, Alicia is really bad at the game. She's, she's really bad at this game. She doesn't know what's going on. There's a difference between Alicia and like a player like, say, Keith. Where Keith, it's not that he doesn't know what's going on, it's that he doesn't particularly care what's going on. You mean Keith from last season? Yeah. Yes. So, like, Alicia cares what's going on, but has no clue what's going on at all. So, that's, like, a big deal. Like, you you can't play the game the way she's playing the game, because you either have to be on the side of, it's too early for me to be really playing the game or you have to be on the side of, I know stuff and I have to act on it. And she doesn't know stuff, but she's trying to act on stuff that she doesn't know. And it's not good. So 
that's one side of it. The other side is the slight confusion going on on the Braun tribe because Scott and Jason, it's almost like they formed an understanding more than an alliance. The weirdest part is that, we, and we can get back to this when we get back to the end of Tribal Council from this week, is that the Braun tribe has experienced something that I'm not sure I've ever seen, which is two weeks in a row they've gone to Tribal Council and people have changed their votes at Tribal Council, but not in a backstabbing way. Just in like a... Like I heard something weird just now and I didn't like it. Right, it's more like they don't believe that any of the other people on their tribe have an idol. And they know that they're not voting for each other, and they know that they're in a position of power, so the people that are on the bottom aren't even going to try to vote for them. They're going to vote for someone else on the bottom. So they're at so little of a risk of being voted out that they just decide, like, almost on merit at the time who to vote out, which is really weird. Scott and Jason clearly have a pretty strong alliance. In both of the last two weeks, they haven't voted for the same person. Yeah, it's really weird. And it, that's really strange. It, it really, what it seems like is they're playing season one Survivor. They don't have to worry about anything because some of the people on their tribe are so weak mentally, which is, I mean, it is the Braun tribe. But there isn't supposed to be such a disparity. I mean, look, Scott Pollard is, like, not a dumb guy. I mean, first of all, like, the perception of professional athletes is that they aren't smart. But the bottom line is, to be a professional athlete, you do have to, like, understand strategies and study film all the time. And if you think that Scott Pollard, who was a professional athlete, didn't study film on Survivor like he would study film as an NBA player, you're probably very wrong. First of all, he was more than a professional athlete, okay? He was a champion. <laughs> he was an NBA champion. <laughs> he was an NBA champion. He has a ring. He's a champion. Up until a few years ago, there was a available statistical metric that made Scott Pollard a better basketball player than LeBron James. So let's just – or better – or just as good, all right? Or, or like Karl Malone or Charles Barkley. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Exactly. Scott Pollard clearly better than Carl Malone. Yes. You know what I'm saying? Like, if Scott Pollard was a football player, he would be better than Dan Marino. Yeah. I'm just saying, there's an available data metric that exists that says that Scott Pollard is really just a unique, amazing player. But whatever. Let's get that. Let's, let's, let's put that to the side. Okay, so yes, he does have to have a certain... I'm not saying that anyone there is stupid. It's weird because you would assume that they're on a similar level of intelligence, and I don't really think that's true. I don't think that it's it's an intelligence thing. I think that there's that they're just not playing the the new school game. It almost seems like Jenny, as we learn in the middle of this episode with the move she tries to pull, it, it almost seems like she studied Survivor, but not enough. It it's like she knew that what you need to do is make a big move, but she failed to, like, grab the coefficient there. <laughs> the coefficient is, like, on day 28. It's not on day 6. Yeah. Like, what are you doing? It's I such know. a weird move. Like, why? It's almost like she learned the correct 
principles of Survivor, but has no idea how to apply them. Yeah. So let's let's move on uh, to because we want to stay. Let's stay pre-challenge right now, pre-immunity challenge, and we're gonna definitely come back to Braun um, because spoiler alert, they lost the immunity challenge and went to tribal. But uh, let's move over to who do you want to deal with first, brain or beauty? Brains first. We'll go tribe by tribe for the for the pre. Uh challenge segment because they bounce around a lot between tribes so my notes are not actually chronological they're my tribe yeah so we do need to do this so let's do um so let's do brain first okay sure okay so debbie is uh immediately making a name for herself of being the most annoying person uh in at least on their tribe possibly in a few other tribes in a few other seasons um and she is you know, she thinks she, like, knows it all. She Like, this is at least how they're portraying her. She's like, I know it all. She always thinks that she knows everything. She's like, I'm not, I don't bother treating the water. I know what water looks like. Although, to be fair, Liz is basically doing the exact same thing. <laughs> really? But then she, she's not getting the screen time for it. No, but I mean, Liz is doing the same thing, and, and it's it's really weird. It's almost like Joe and Debbie are annoyed with Liz for the same reason Peter, Liz, Neil, and Aubrey are annoyed at Debbie. Well, wh- what is Liz doing? Well, Liz, is, this, is Liz the one that was crying in the water because the fire wasn't on? Yeah, it. It, but she's she's also she you know she's trying to she's like oh we have to do that with the pathogens in the water and she's you know taking the ant dust and putting it in the like around the th- and she's like. Oh, like I read this and I did this and this, this. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And this, she was annoying Joe. And Joe, but Joe and Debbie are finding her annoying for the same reason that Peter, Liz, Neil, and Aubrey are finding Debbie annoying. It's that they're basically coming off like the, here's the thing. If you come off like you know a lot in a regular tribe, that's fine because some of the people figure, sure, they probably know more than I do, but you can come off like you know it all on the brain tribe. I gotcha, yeah, because... Everyone else also thinks that they know a lot. <laughs> so, here's the thing. So, I'm assuming Liz read some sort of book. Like, she read, like, a survival book, and she's doing, you know, th- some things that she read in there, right? Right, so Liz is a data analyst, so I'm sure she, you know, is not averse to just reading up on stuff. Yeah. She probably read up on a whole lot of stuff, and uh, here's the insider thing for some people who might not know. Liz was recruited to the game by Fishback. They were at one point dating. I'm not sure if they're still currently dating, but Liz and Fishback were at some point together and Fishback recruited her to the game. You do have to remember that uh, even though the season that Fishback was most recently in aired already. It actually was filmed after this season. Pretty sure the timeline goes something like this. Fishback and Liz meet each other. Fishback says, hey, you should be on Survivor, and, like, recruited her to be on the show. Then she was on the show, and then so was Fishback. Then they got together before both of their seasons aired. Uh I'm pretty sure that's the case. I'm not sure if they're still together, but they got together sometime between there. So um, some people were making some jokes last night on Twitter, which is how I kind of like got on the trail of this whole thing. Uh, but cause they both like, you know, have cried in, um, in confessional things. And uh, li- there, somebody made a joke about how Liz 
shouldn't be responsible for shooting the catapult because uh, she get she eventually gets close with Fishback and and Fishback uh, hit somebody else's target with the slingshot last season. Yes, quite famously, it was it was great. Oh, okay, so that's like a little bit of inside baseball you got going on there. You know, that's what Twitter Twitter is really good for that. Right. So apparently, you know, Liz. She probably read up on a bunch of this stuff or, uh, you know, Fishback may have told her some of these things. I'm not exactly sure. Yeah. She's basically annoying Debbie and Joe, just like Debbie is annoying Peter, Liz, Neil, and Aubrey. It's it's very strange. It's Everyone seems to be annoyed with someone on that tribe. Yeah, so what Joe is doing, uh, he's basically, what is he, 71 years old, former Marine, former FBI profiler, something like that. And so he does think – he also is like a I'm not going to have a some young whippersnapper tell me what to do, has that kind of mentality. Yeah, and also Debbie apparently at some point worked in in like actual treating of water in her job as a chemist. Yes. So, so she's like you don't need to boil that water. Yeah. So – but it was weird when she just said like, oh, I'm fine with it because I have like the immune system of a horse. But you may not be good. And like, oh, I'm a personal trainer, and I tell somebody, you know, they that uh, I could run ten miles, but uh, maybe you shouldn't run ten miles. And she's saying this to people, basically saying like, I'm better than you, I'm better than you, I'm better than you, I'm better than you. Right. I saw something Dan Feinberg said last night. He said the number of sentences that Debbie starts with just because I can is really way too long. Yeah, <laughs> that's just a long list of sentences that you started like that. It's, it's like it's like every time you start a sentence with, you realize that. And it's just, it happens all the time. <laughs> so what's really weird is I had marked down from last week that in her, like, original talking head, like, which was, like, day one, Liz already said she doesn't like Debbie, and she she called Joe likely to medevac, and she originally took those shots at Aubrey during the whole dehydration thing. Yeah. Which Aubrey seems to have overcome quite quickly, which is good. Um, but, but Liz seemed to just be kind of mean. <laughs> So Yeah, she does seem kind of mean. But the funny thing is, is that, um, what's it called? Between, like, Liz's meanness towards Debbie and, and Joe and uh, Debbie's annoyingness towards the other four, you did hear from Peter where he said, oh, you want to keep Debbie to the end because she's super annoying. Let's say the brain tribe needs to go to tribal council. Yeah. Joe is going first, not Debbie. Because while, while Joe and Debbie are in the same boat with the old people versus young people problem. Debbie is so annoying that you can almost keep her there because she's so little of a threat. Yeah, I mean, I don't think she's Abby Maria Gomez level of goat, but she's she's pretty high. Right. And then there's that great line from Peter about when uh, when he met Debbie, the first question he had was, does he have 30 cats or does she have 40 cats? Yeah, because I'm thinking she's got 40 cats at this point. <laughs> like, I'm definitely thinking she has 40 cats. Oh, Obama, so mean. <laughs> <laughs> and look, that's the thing is, like we said last week, Peter also seems like he's kind of a jerk, which is really weird because Aubrey and Neil seem like they're not that mean. Neil actually seems like he also might be kind of a jerk. Um, but But Peter and Liz are both, pretty jerky i mean they seem to be on the same team so they're not like it i wonder how long that can last though when three of the like i'd say two and a half of the four people 
in that alliance mm-hmm. seem to be pretty jerky. Like Peter, Liz, and Neil sometimes. So Yeah, I don't think we've gotten enough um, Neil to really get a good read on him. And I don't really see so much coming from Liz except for, like, uh, here's what you should do around camp and, like, with, like, the ant stuff and whatever and her being upset that the fire didn't get started. So, well, she also had stuff in the first episode and saying things like Joe looks likely to medevac and, you know, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. so that is kind of jerky. Um, by the way, what, so let's talk a little bit about, um, the brain tribe completely destroying their fire kit. Yeah. Like, I don't know what the, how much kerosene you should be using on the average fire, but it was much less than what Joe originally put on, right? Like, you need, like, a tiny bit. Like, that amount of kerosene should have lasted you for a month. Right. The, the weird part about those fire kits is that, and I don't think people understand this in general when they're watching the show, because it's the same thing later on with the Braun tribe and them trying to make the fire for, like, five hours with Alicia just wailing on the, on the flint. Yeah, The stuff you have to try to make fire is kind of damp, which I think some of their stuff is. Like, maybe it rained a lot right before they started, because we haven't seen it being raining as they're playing right now. Yeah. But I think it may have rained a lot right before they started playing. So it seems like a lot of their stuff is damp, and it's not so easy to make fire. At some point, you have to realize that you can't, like, waste things that might be useful to you down the line. Because, you know, it's hard to make fire when things are damp. It's one thing if it rains while you're on the show and then you can try to protect some firewood under your shelter so that you can light a fire afterwards. But look, we know how ridiculous the rain where they are in Cambodia is because they're on the same beaches as the season we already saw, even though that season hasn't happened yet when they're filming this, where the rain got so bad that they had to do that thing where they offered them, if they quit the challenge, that they would build them a better shelter and give them fire. Yeah. Like, that's how bad it is there with the rain. So... It's very possible it rained for, like, three days before they started playing, and everything is still wet. No, it's very possible. You could also um, really tell, just from a visual standpoint, how wet the wood is based on how much smoke is coming off the fire. Yeah. Because any um, – if you've ever built a fire, you know that if you use dry wood, then there's no smoke coming off. So – you could, and you did see like a lot of smoke coming off of it. But the thing is, the weird thing is about the the whole kerosene and match thing and whatever is that I don't remember a season. So it must have been a really long time where somebody didn't get a fire making kit after the first challenge. Which because they always do, it's always like if you win, you get immunity and a, and a fire making kit, and if you lose, you whatever go to tribal and get a flint to tribal, whatever it is. Um, it's been a really long time. Maybe like one of the returning season, uh, like heroes versus villains, like when everyone is supposed to be an expert at it at that point. But basically every single season, there is a tribe that has a fire making kit pretty early on. I've never seen any plot revolving around that fire making kit ever. Like the kerosene isn't even that big of a deal. It's the matches. Like 
allowing the matches to get wet is I'm not sure how they did that because it doesn't appear to have rained. Yeah, I don't know how the matches wet exactly, but getting the matches wet is like a tremendous error. Like it's so hard, you can't use wet matches. Like it, I'm not sure if their fire making kit included a flint because they had matches and kerosene. It definitely did include a fin because matches are finite. So um, they're like, oh, we can't just give them 30 matches and no flint because they could go through 30 matches in in a few days, you know, in case, like, something happens. But um, the only thing I remember is that season, I think it was – it was definitely one of the um, Redemption Island seasons where they lost their flint. Blood versus Water 2, I think. Blood versus Water 2. So, yeah, they lost their flint – and then they traded, uh, I think it was their fishing gear for the flint, for another flint. And then they found their flint, and then they wanted the fishing gear back. Was that what it was? It was something like that, or they traded their tarp or something. They, they traded, it was something ridiculous. And, and they also tried to do it after they won. Right. Yeah, yeah they won something, and then basically said, like, hey, can we also get flint? <laughs> And we'll give you, like, one of these nets back. And Jeff's like, screw you, I'm taking the whole thing. Yeah. <laughs> it's like if you made the trade before the challenge, like, on the condition that you win, I may have done that. But now? Are you kidding me? <laughs> so, yeah. So, like, it is a big deal when you don't have fire. And the fact that in – but you really see that kind of, this kind of stuff happen after uh, the first episode unless – there's like significant amount of rain, and that's just a something that causes you to not have fire. But in the second episode, you have one tribe that is just making fire all. There's this one person making fire all day long, and in another tribe, they screwed up their firemaking kit so badly that they don't have fire to boil water to drink. Right. The beauty tribe made fire on their own in the first episode. Yeah. So they're kind of set in that capacity and the other two tribes are in all sorts of trouble and you're like guys come on yeah you're on survivor you should know how to do this <laughs> yeah so yeah you want to switch uh to maybe the brawn tribe so uh they basically all are under the impression when they get back that that alicia is the next to go so alicia goes on that five hour hole where she's trying to strike the flint and they just show for five hours in the early afternoon everyone's sleeping have you ever seen in uh, a non-challenge setting, the time elapsed, Chiron? Only, I think, when it, in regards to, like, storm. Oh, okay, yeah, I do remember that, actually. Where they're just sitting there, and the rain is pouring, and then they just, time, like, three hours later, still pouring. Yeah, rain's been pouring for 78 hours. <laughs> yeah. So, so the other things I have marked down for the Braun Tribe for this week uh, was... Jason has one hell of a sunburn. Yeah. Oh, my God. That is pretty bad. So uh, here is a little uh, inside Survivor for you. Uh, they, they do have uh, medical kits that they're allowed to, like certain supplies that they're allowed to use during the game. Okay. Uh, people are often familiar with this because uh, people often ask about, uh, you know, women during their period or what happens if uh, people, you know, I think this was originally uh, po pointed out 
because of um, people wanting to have sex on the show and people asking about uh, condoms. And they, they have condoms in there also in the in the medical kit. And so there's always a thing about, you know, that people always joke about, like, uh, the people on the show counting the condoms. Like, if two people start to be romantically involved. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is, <laughs> which is very strange, because if you think about it, they're like counting the condoms to see, like, have they had sex? It's like, normally, all the people you hang out with cannot just figure out whether you've had sex by using a math equation. Any <laughs> <laughs> condoms, and now there are 18, so... I, I actually remember back, way back, I think in season two, during the reunion, there was somebody who was kicked out, uh, she was the second person voted out, and but she was considered like the mom of the group, and uh, they basically mentioned the medical kit and the amount of condoms they had, and they basically said, she basically said like, oh, there were 12 condoms when I got there, and there were 12 condoms where I le- when, I, when I left, and they're like, yeah, but you left at day six. <laughs> Like, she made it seem like she knew that nobody hooked up because... <laughs> I'm trying to remember who that was. It was very funny. Um, and that's it. That was 30 seasons ago. Yeah. And let's not forget, there are couples that have gotten... Well, there's one very famous couple that got that met and got married because they met on Survivor. That's Rob and Amber. Right. I think supposedly... Supposedly... The uh, number of, of actual hookups on Survivor is three. Really? I, I, I seem to remember hearing that a couple of times, that the number is actually three. And it was it all Joe hooking up with three different girls? <laughs> <laughs> that would have been an interesting storyline if they had, like, a love triangle going on. <laughs> or, or it was like somebody came back, like, a few times, and every single time... He had, he was with another girl. That would be more like your favorite show, though, The Challenge, I think. Oh, that would be interesting. Yeah, but that's that's not what this show is about, because they're too busy, you know, surviving. So that's why I hate The Challenge and love Survivor. Here is a quote from, from Neil, from the Brain Tribe, on Twitter last night. Quote, we had as much sunblock as we wanted. Apparently some people couldn't figure out how to work the pump. So, <laughs> so sunblock is included in uh, the medical abilities of the tribe. Uh, okay, I did know that beforehand because there have been things where they said that they straight up they can't risk not giving them sunblock because of how we're conditioned nowadays. We're not like we don't have the same tolerance to sun, and of course the ozone's thinner than it used to be. You can't just not have sunblock for 39 days because you could get skin cancer. Yeah. Like, you can't just not have sunblock. So they have sunblock, but Jason's sunburns are insane. Yeah, he obviously doesn't use it. If I just get, like, a mild sunburn on the first day, I'll just get used to it. And then it's like, no, you won't. There's also hubris of, you know, I've been in Iraq and Afghanistan. Those are deserts, like, and I didn't, and he probably, like, didn't have a uh, a hard time. But then he just had hubris and didn't realize how bad it was over there. Cambodia is not a friendly environment. It's just, you know, you can't, like, there, there really are, like, poisonous things in that jungle. And it really will rain for four days straight. And the sun really will destroy your shoulders. Yeah. I would actually love to hear a story about um, two people got into a really racial fight on Survivor 
one of them white, one of them black, and the and the white guy basically saying to the black guy that he's hogging all the sunblock or something like that. Like you don't need it. <laughs> so like, Something weird. It's like the weirdest uh, basis for there. There was kind of a fight, uh, uh, a, a racial tinged fight like that on the challenge this season, where somebody accused somebody of looking. Uh, it was a. It was a. Uh, one of the black girls uh, called a white girl uh, called her too old to be on the challenge. When I think, in fact, they're about the same age. And she and the the white girl came back and said, just because you know you don't age as much as I do because you're black. <laughs> like, And everyone was like, whoa! whoa. She, did she say just because black don't crack? She said it was something to that effect. <laughs> I mean, it depends on how you phrase it. Is that even racist? At the time, it was said in a very angry way. It wasn't like a very... It wasn't like a compliment. <laughs> <laughs> I have I have said that to black people as a compliment, though. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it, yeah, in this case, it was not a compliment. It's not really so. It was, it, you know, it's very strange. And so people do have different look, because obviously either the other people were using the sunblock or the other people were not as susceptible to, to sunburn as Jason. Cause, yeah, he does have particularly pasty white skin. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, let's move on to the uh, to the beauty tribe. Um, okay. We have uh, some interesting, basically all of the things on the beauty tribe this week involve Ty. Yeah. Well, I think that's going to be a trend going on because he is a very, uh, uh, probably one of the most interesting characters on the show at this point. Yeah, I mean, he's, he seems like such a likable guy. They all seem to like him so much, like everyone on his tribe. Yeah, that's true. Like, and you bear, this, by the way, is not a frequent thing on Survivor because spending so much time with the same five other people generally is pretty taxing on your emotions. Yeah. Especially when you have to like compete and you're hungry all the time and you know you don't have a shelter and you're sleeping on bamboo and it rains on you and it, it normally it tears you apart emotionally. So it's very rare on Survivor that you get someone who everyone is like, man, I'm glad that person's around. <laughs> it's not very frequent, but they all seem to really like Ty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is true, and he's a good guy. I actually do love the bromance between him and uh, Caleb. <laughs> Yeah, that was pretty funny. There is this, like, weird bromance where I was – there was a – I have to admit, I did get a little uh, nervous that Caleb was going to be a bit homophobic. <laughs> and and clearly he – and that's that's my fault, you know. That's that's me having a little, a little prejudgment of, uh, you know, people from the South and whatever. That's my fault, you know. So, so I thought that there was very little chance of that at all because he had been on Big Brother. Because – I was thinking about that because of the Big Brother thing. Big but. Brother has previously had some homophobic and racist people on that have been very bad publicity-wise for the show. So, like, it, it comes up on that show a couple times. So in very recent seasons, I think they've been more careful about that. So I assumed if he had been on Big Brother, like, very recently, that he probably was, like, totally fine with other types of people. But there is a difference between, you know, being totally cool with, with gay people and then having those gay people, like then having somebody basically come onto you and try to kiss you. Well, that thing is, I don't think that the whole thing was like, it didn't seem at all like Ty was coming on to him. It seemed like Ty was messing with him because Caleb, you know, said, Hey, grab this, which like out of his mouth. <laughs> and it seemed like Ty just thought that was like the perfect time to just like mess with him. 
which which everyone regarded as a joke, and it would seemed like they were very funny, including Caleb. It was very funny. That's actually probably one of the funniest things on Survivor in recent history. I would same level as Jeremy trying to get Keith's attention at the end of last season, but yeah, the, it, that was pretty funny. Jeremy trying to get Keith's attention though is going to go down as one of the greatest moments ever. Just can't get his attention, save his life. <laughs> so great. Yeah. Uh, it was great. Yeah, so the other mostly Ty part of this episode for the Beauty Tribe is Ty looking for the idol, finding the clue, then they might have gone a little too far on this thing with the idol. They're like, oh, the, the clue is in the tr- is, is in, is in a knot in the tree. And then the clue says that the idol is buried in the roots. And then the idol is in a box. And the key to the box is in the top of a tree. I'm like, what the hell? <laughs> so the weird part is that it used to be like, hey, I found an idol. Now it's like, hey, I found a clue that tells me independently the locations of the idol in a box and the key to said box. It's like, all right. Like, people were joking on Twitter uh, with all Russell Hans was involved also on Twitter last night about how Russell changed the game so much that it went from looking for an idol to looking for a clue to find an idol in a box and a key to the box. Yes, that's true. It is really ridiculous how much Russell has changed the game. They're like, not only do you have to find the key and the box, but to get the key, you've got to get it from the top of a tree. You're like, what? Here's a tool, by the way. What was the deal with that? Yeah, here's a here is a tool. You're like, here's a tool. Here's a two foot extension to go get this key. But basically, I'm assuming they want you to uh, create a pole to attach to the end of the tool and get to get the key, right? I don't think they're. It was really unclear what the intention was because <laughs> it was like, here is a here is a stick that will help you be two feet taller. To get the key that is 20 feet off the ground. I'm like, wait, hold on. I also did love the part where Ty looks at it and is like, oh, that's not that high. And I'm like, not that high. It's the top of a palm tree. (laughs) It'd be great if they're like, if there's like, here is a step stool. And he's like, yeah, but I need a ladder. Yeah. (laughs) Here is a stick. You're like, here's a stick. That's not that helpful at all. I would cut that tree down. That's what Russell said, is that he would, he would straight up, he would, he would cut the tree down. Oh, that's what Russell said? Yeah, he would just like wait till nighttime or something and then go cut the tree down. Yeah. Oh, that won't wake anyone up. Timber! Well, I don't know. There's probably a lot of noise in the jungle in the middle of the night. And remember, it's easier to sneak away in the middle of the night than people think. Yeah, if a tree falls near survivor camp, (laughs) will you get an immunity idol? Right. Seems like a weird philosophical question. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. So let's let's get to the challenge. Yeah, because not too much else happened on the beauty tribe, right? No. All right. So yeah, let's get to the challenge. Uh, yeah, you always take very copious notes. So Braun Braun is down a person. So beauty and brains have to sit a person. Brains sits Debbie. Beauty sits Julia. Um, even though I, I think I'm not sure Julia Julia seems like she's in pretty good shape. I'm not sure why they sat Julia. It was a purely physical challenge. So I'm not really sure why they sat the youngest member of their team who seems to be in good shape. That seemed odd, but whatever. Uh, 
especially when it's like, hey, we have to get through this obstacle course. You would think like the skinny in shape college girl would have been it. I'm not sure why they sat like they could have sat tie or something. Three hundred pound log. I would think the tiny gardener guy would have been a better sit, but whatever. Um, so, uh, Braun, uh, they, they, they have to, you have to untie this log, uh, and then move it through some obstacle courses. So Braun unties, uh, the log first, uh, Brain and Beauty are behind them. They then have to get through the first obstacle course, and then they have to get the, which is in, like, water. They have to get out of the water, uh, and Braun comes out of the water still in first place. Beauty is, uh... Beauty overtakes Brains. Brains has a little bit of trouble there. Um, and Brain is, falls into last place. Then, it's to go course number two. Beauty passes Brawn basically on a strategy function. The, the, the key to that second obstacle seemed to be that the, the log that they were carrying had a handle that was, there, there were handles on each end of the log. So, the best strategy was basically to push the log halfway through the obstacle, then get all of your people to the end and pull it through the rest of the obstacle. Beauty seemed to do that pretty well. Braun didn't really grasp the strategy too well there. So Beauty passed them. Uh, Brain's still in last place. Uh, Beauty then uh, gets, they had to untie the these balls so that they could catapult them. Beauty gets to those first. They hold on to their lead. Brawn and Brain coming up behind. The three shooters for the teams end up Caleb for Beauty, Peter for Brains, and Scott for Brawn. Caleb gets the first shot. Uh, Peter gets the second shot before Scott can. There's the thing where the, the balls are attached. This was a weird thing. The balls were attached to a rope. So that's the first time they've done something like that. The balls were attached to a rope. Inside, they're not doing nothing. They're basically retrieving the rope every time and making sure it isn't tangled. I guess it's a different kind of thing than making somebody retrieve the ball. Right. It also, there was a strategy to how much rope do you untangle from uh, from the, what's it called, from the log. Because I'm assuming the log was the anchor for the rope, right? Well, yes. I think in the end, you pretty much had to untangle all of it so that you could reach the longer the, the longer target. You could probably get away with the, the the shorter one, but you couldn't get away with the longer one, I don't think. Uh-huh. So, yeah, there is the whole thing where they're retrieving the rope and the ball or whatever. Uh, so Caleb gets the second one, so Beauty wins the big fishing kit. Uh, Peter gets the, the shot second uh, so that uh, they get the smaller kit, and uh, the Braun Tribe loses again. Wah, wah. Yeah. As Jeff would say, he's got nothing for you. That's true. All right, so it sucks with the Braun tribe. So let's let's focus on what happened after the challenge. So they get back to camp, and it seems very obvious that Alicia is on the bottom, and they're all going to vote her out. And then Jenny uh, starts to float this brilliant idea. Uh, basically, first thing she asks Alicia is, what is the most important thing to know on Survivor, or it was the best, like, the best strategy on Survivor or something like that? Yeah. Yeah, and Alicia got it wrong twice before Jenny had to give her the answer. Although, to be accurate, on day six, both of her answers were better than Jenny's answer. That is true. (laughs) So the first thing she said was honesty. The second thing she said was, I don't remember, what was it? Uh, The first one was definitely honesty. 
the, I'm not sure what the second one was. It was like social skills or something. I don't remember. Yeah. <laughs> and Jenny's answer is making big moves. Yeah, Jenny, Jenny says, getting the strong players out while you can. And as soon as she says that, I'm like, what? Yeah, nope. <laughs> I'm like, no, that's not right at all. Where's the answer key to your survivor quiz book? That's, that's a misprint. That's not accurate at all. So Jenny tells Alicia and Sydney, well, let's go all girls and get one of the guys out, which is a perfectly viable plan. Like, I mean, it's not great if you want to keep winning challenges, but. Right. That's, that's the biggest issue for me. Jenny is above Sydney on their current alliance. Yeah. So she's already in third place on the alliance she's on, but. Being the third person on an alliance when the tribes are six people apiece, you don't have to worry about getting eliminated. Because once your tribe is down to three people, they're going to merge you. You're never going to get eliminated. Well, in one, there was a season, not the first Brain Bunch Beauty uh, season. It was a three-tribe season where they lost the first four. They split those two amongst the other two tribes. So it's not necessarily true that, that if you're in third place on your, uh, what's it called? On your alliance and you keep losing that you won't get voted out before they merge. I, it is really unlikely though, because I remember that happening and it seemed so awkward that they were down to two people that I don't think they would do that again. Yeah. So I think the only reason that happened was because it was four straight and they needed it to be an even number. I would say unless your tribe loses all four of the first four then you're fine. Because if if one of the other two tribes goes to tribal council that next episode, and then you lose another person and you're down to three, and then in total they have 14 people, they're going to reshuffle to two tribes a set. Yeah, so it is kind of weird, but I don't think that's going to happen until later. So the thing is that she's not in a bad position, though. Like, she's not in a bad position and the two people she's in an alliance with are the two most indispensable people on her team because of challenges. So instead she's like, Hey, you guys, let's go and knock off the two guys. And you're like, well, okay, first of all, weird. Cause like you're not in a bad position currently. <laughs> Second of all, Weird, because it's day six, and you don't need to make that kind of move now. Third of all, really weird, because all you're doing if you get rid of Jason is decrease your chances of of making the challenges better. And then you're going to lose, and you're going to go back to Tribal Council, and then even if you're like, oh, well, we'll just vote out Scott if we lose another challenge, well, fine. But if you do that, then you're down to three people and it's just those three girls, how are you going to win a challenge? And then you might be on the chopping block, or even if you aren't on the chopping block, there will be two of you left, and then you'll be split up and sent to other tribes where you're sure to be on the bottom because there's only two of you. Yeah, it's not great. I just don't understand any part of the rationale behind it. It was weird, but here's the thing. If you're going to make that kind of move, you gotta got to either stick with it or you got to pretend it never happened. Well, so that's the other thing is she says she has some sort of uh, disorder where she gets distracted with things very quickly. You mean she's immature? Like what kind of – <laughs> when she said that that's disorder, she's like, 
oh, it's shiny object disorder. It's like, what? No, but I, I think that is a thing where some people have a thing where they get caught up in things very easily. So okay. I think I think if she gets caught up in things very easily, though, that's where you, you get you get into trouble. So if here's the thing, she seems aware that she has such a problem, but not aware enough to stop her from mentioning it to the other people first. <laughs> I mean, if she's aware enough of that problem, maybe she should just like run everything by herself a couple times before she runs it by anyone else. Yeah. If she just says in a talking head segment, Hey, I'm thinking maybe I should turn on Scott and Jason, but I'm not quite sure. Whatever. I'll have to think about it for a while. Cause I know sometimes I can get caught up in stuff and I, I shouldn't say anything until I think it might be a good idea. I'd be like, okay, that, that sounds reasonable. You're just thinking about your options. Instead, she thinks of it, immediately goes to Alicia, then goes to Sydney, then afterwards is like, yeah, I'm not sure that was a good plan. I'm like, what? <laughs> and has both of them on board. And has both of them on board. That's the other part, is that she has both of them on board, and then screws it up. That's the, that's the weird part, and Jason makes a good point about that. I mean, let's go to tribal council, basically. So Jason makes a good point, because when Jenny brings up the fact that she says everything's up in the air and Scott raises his eyebrows like, you know, he's already seven feet tall. So his eyebrows are like eight feet off the ground at that point. He's like, <laughs> wait a second. Like, what? <laughs> Aren't you on our side here? What the? And so eventually Jason and Scott realize that Jenny is just off her rocker completely, which is really I mean, there is she seems to have been holding it together pretty well, especially considering the earworm she had in episode one. She seemed to be pretty back under control. And then at tribal council, she just falls apart completely. And Scott and Jason are just looking around at each other like, what is happening? Like, <laughs> like the other thing is that they're not even remotely concerned that they're going to be eliminated. That's the great part is that Jason is like, oh, man, Jenny is nuts. <laughs> and yeah, Jenny is so obviously insane. That Alicia and Sydney aren't even like. Hey, maybe, uh, maybe we can still get Jason out. Let's vote for Jason. The way you can tell that they know that Jenny is crazy is that they both vote for Jenny. Yes, they both vote for Jenny and Scott and Jason split their votes. Right. They, the great thing is that Alicia and Cindy both vote for Jenny. That's the greatest part because all that that indicates is that Jenny was so off her rocker during that tribal council that Sydney and Alicia were like, even if coming into this tribal council, we had some sort of deal to get out Jason. I don't want to be in a three-person alliance with that wacko. <laughs> yeah. And then, it, and then as if she didn't look crazy enough, she stood up in the middle of tribal council and literally begged and like made a, made a, a, a heartfelt or I don't know, shout from the rooftop of, don't vote me out, please. There's also a great thing where, where Jason has a point where he says about, about if you're thinking of backstabbing your alliance, you don't mention it. I know. <laughs> Which was great. He goes, he goes, uh, he says, hey, just so you guys know, I'm thinking of maybe stabbing you in the back and, and going with these other two people. But I'm not sure. I'll get back to you. I'll get back to you. I'm thinking about flipping. <laughs> no one says that because that is crazy. But that's essentially what Jenny did. And she just says, well, I don't know. I was thinking of backstabbing my alliance. And the other members of her alliance are like, you were? Why is it something you would mention out loud? I also love how Alicia, like, thinks she had a victory 
for not getting voted out. As if, like, she didn't, she doesn't realize how close she was again. That's the other great part, by the way, is that when Jenny is like, when Jenny's like, well, I just wanted to make, um, I just wanted to make everything easier for Alicia on her last day. Alicia's like, no, you didn't. You came up to me and we're like, hey, here's an idea. <laughs> and, then, and then Jenny's like, no, I didn't. Alicia's like, yeah, you did. It was so weird. It was so weird. If you really think about it, which I'm not sure, you know, Scott and Jason were really thinking it through because too much was going on that was insane during that travel council. But the great thing is that if you really think it through, there is no reason for Alicia to lie about that. <laughs> Yeah. There's just no reason. She would never make that up. It doesn't make any sense. So she's obviously telling the truth, and Jenny's obviously lying. And so it just becomes such a ridiculous tribal council where Alicia's like, yeah, all right, but you're just making that up. That's not true at all. (laughs) (laughs) And then then it just – the whole tribal council just kind of spins out of control where you're just like, all right, this is a weird tribal council. Um, Two people came in being like, hey, we're going to pull the cool backstabby move. And two people came in and they were like, yeah, all right, this seems fine. We'll just vote out that girl who deserves to be voted out. And then one person came in and inside her head was apparently like eight people screaming at each other. (laughs) (laughs) And then she just decides to externalize all of the internal screaming inside her own head. And you're like, all right, so you're going home. (laughs) Coming into that tribal council. None of the other people were considering voting for her, and she ended up eliminating herself. <laughs> That's a real accomplishment. How did she manage to do that? Literally, it's it's as if um she had like the individual immunity necklace and like from and gave it to somebody before the vote. <laughs> and then everyone just like, ah, screw it, I'll vote you out. It was it was so weird. I, I've never seen a tribal council where not only was no one considering voting her out this week, no one considered voting her out last week either. Yeah. There have been two tribal councils in a row for your tribe. No one considered voting you out. And then you got yourself eliminated just by talking. And I, then during the talk, during like the post interview, she's like, I'm happy with the game I played. You know, I, I really put myself out there and tried to do a big move and it didn't work out this time. <laughs> that is an all time flame out. I mean, I can't. The only other flameout I think that approaches that is Francesca the second time. <laughs> she went up against Philip the second time. So for, for those who might not have watched past seasons of Survivor, there, there was once a girl on the tribe named Francesca who Francesca Francesca <laughs> who was who was on a tribe with a guy named Philip Shepard who we previously compared to Debbie. He was kind of crazy. Um, yeah. But he did, he was part of a powerful alliance. So basically in the first week of the show, Francesca decided that she didn't like him because he was kind of crazy and decided she wanted to vote him out. But she made it so public that because he was part of a big alliance, he was like, hey guys, do me a favor and get rid of her. And they're like, all right, we don't care. It's the first week. We don't know anything about her. Let's just ditch her right now. So they get rid of her. And then they do basically a, a, a season where there's like second chances kind of. And people show up to, like, and they're on the same tribe again. And the first week, again, her team loses, and, they, and they're and they going to have to eliminate someone. And she makes it her purpose. She's like, this time I'm going to get them. <laughs> <laughs> the first time, at least there was some sort of reasoning behind it. She just really didn't like him, and she didn't want to spend the whole season with him. And then the second time, she decides to try to do it again. And he's just like, 
she's coming after me again? And she just, like, goes to everyone else, and they're like, this idiot is trying to get me out again. And they're like, all right, let's get rid of her again. <laughs> she's the first person in Survivor history, and probably the only one who ever will get in Survivor history, who got voted out first twice. <laughs> Which is really... That is such a tremendous accomplishment. I because no one who ever gets voted out first is going to come back. It's invited back. That was so great. The whole Francesca thing, that's basically the only flame out I think that was worse than this. Because I, it's hard to imagine, until I remembered Francesca, it's really hard to imagine anyone talking themselves out of the game. Yeah. Oh, it was fans versus favorites. That's what this season was. Because was she was a favorite just because of what happened between her and Philip. Because Philip was a favorite. That was the same, uh, that was the same season that Brandon Hans came back and got into it with Philip and literally almost, almost started a fist fight. Yeah. That was one of the only times on Survivor where everyone thought there was like a legitimate threat of physical violence. Yeah. And Jeff called Brandon and he was like giving him like a back massage. Yeah. It's like, all right, Brandon, let's calm down. Calm let's down. calm down, Brandon. That was, that was the same season where Malcolm uh, was in a three-person alliance and basically got all three of them immunity and then said, we're voting out Philip." <laughs> yeah. That was a great season. I love when half of recurring players. This season's shaping out to be pretty good, but you can't, you can't beat the recurring player seasons. Yeah. It's so good. Yeah, so I did, I did like the, because look, the Brain Tribe was really good on the first Brains versus Braun versus Beauty, so, you know, they look to be pretty entertaining this time, even if some of them seem to be pretty jerky. Um, yeah, but look, we thought Spencer was pretty jerky the first time. Um, and then it just turned out that, you know, he, he, he just had to like settle into his survivor persona. So yeah, maybe brain drive isn't as jerky this time, but you know, we still haven't seen any of these, uh, medevacs that are apparently going to happen. I know it's annoying. You're already two episodes in and there's no medevacs. It's, it's making me nervous is what it's doing. <laughs> it is making me nervous because there's at least three. <laughs> it's like every, every episode I just expect someone to be like, you know, lying on the ground and Jeff yelling, medic, <laughs> medic. <laughs> I know, especially, especially when they're describing the challenge they have to do. And I'm just like, oh man, how is someone going to get injured during this? You know, it's like, they just have to pick up a log and bring it there. Is someone going to get hit by the log? Is the log going to fall on someone's face and like crush their skull? Like, what's going to happen? Yeah. And the other thing, by the way, is I think technically there was a chance that you could have been hit by that ball in the um, in the slingshot thing because if the rope wasn't long enough, somebody could have shot it and then it could have not gone very far at all and hit somebody. Or if you were like holding onto the rope. Or if it got, like, tangled around you somehow when the thing launched. Yeah. You, like, it flung forward. <laughs> you see somebody just fly forward. Yeah. I don't know. That rope is actually a little more dangerous than it's worth, I'm thinking. Yeah, I don't know. Oh, did you also like uh, that Alicia spelled out Jenny like Forrest Gump? Jenny. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was great. All right, anything else you wanted to say about uh, this week's Survivor? No, I think that's it. Uh, we'll wait to see what happens next week, but the Braun tribe looks like they're not in great shape. <laughs> oh, although I would point out that there was a great, there was a great, uh. Hold on, was it, was that supposed to be a pun? I'm just. Yeah. Okay. That <laughs> was pretty good. <laughs> yeah. The, uh, there was a point sometime in this week's episode. I'm not quite sure when it was. Oh, it was right after Alicia made fire and they had a group hug and everyone was hugging Scott Pollard's waist. Yes, that was true. 
There was also that great moment right after she made fire and uh, and Jason went behind her and then said, like, you're all welcome, like, in her place because she would never say that kind of thing. Right. You know, but, but he said it, like, for her. That was, like, pretty good. And I think, honestly, I think the fact that she made the fire did save her at the end of the day. I think that did factor in a little bit. Uh, I think I think Jenny really was the only turning. Jenny was honestly, if Jenny didn't do her thing, Alicia would have been voted out. But the fact that Jenny started her epic flame out edition in the same day that Alicia did her epic flame on, eh, no. eh, eh, okay, um, <laughs> they it did it did factor in a little bit, and you know it, it never hurts. It this is a thing in Survivor. It never hurts to help out around camp and to accomplish things around camp. You know, it'll only hurt you if you don't do that. Yeah. So, all right. Why don't you finish this up? Okay. Now that the show's over, get to the internet and check out the rest of our content on our website at tvonthehillside.wordpress.com. If you want to get in touch with us, email us at onthehillsidepodcast at gmail.com. Catch us on Twitter at Hillside Podcast or check out facebook.com slash onthehillside. You can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Stitcher, or SoundCloud. And remember to rate the podcast and leave a comment. The theme song you're hearing right now is One by the Breakbeat Chemist. I'm Nate Burnside. And I'm Mo Hill, yippee ki to you lovers. <laughs>